G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. On a Wednesday, we like to give some attention to what's going on in that part of the world where the people of God, you might say the chosen people of God, the nation of Israel, what's happening in their neck of the woods. Well, Ron Ross has been scouring the headlines overnight once again and all the latest today. Ron, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Ron, last week we were talking about the crisis in the Israeli parliament. The prime minister, the stand-in, the temporary prime minister is Yair Lapid. You've got some insight here and what the headlines are reporting about who he is and what his background is. Well, he may have achieved peak political success when he became prime minister last week, but he reached the apex of fame in Israel long before he ever ran for the Knesset. Born in 1963 to prominent journalist Tommy Lapid, a Holocaust survivor who was Israel's justice minister, and acclaimed author Shulamit Lapid, Yeah began writing a weekly newspaper column for Israel's most popular weekend papers, first in Mariv and then Yedot Adonot from 1989 until he entered politics in 2012. He wrote the lyrics to 22 songs, some of which were hits. He acted in a few movies. He wrote 10 books, mostly novels. He was also an amateur Thai boxer and a fixture on the Tel Aviv club scene. But perhaps the thing that really made him one of the most famous people in the country is his decade as a talk show host. In 2008, he became the anchor of Israel's most watched news program, Friday Nights on Channel 12. Four years later, Lapid resigned from the news and wrote the column that would launch his political career, famously titled, Where's the Money? Inspired by the housing protests of the previous summer, Lapid asked the question, why doesn't the productive class that pays its taxes, does its duties, serve in the reserves, holds the whole country on its back, not see the money? He accused the government of being wasteful and corrupt. Lapid campaigned on economic reform to help the middle class, fighting corruption and requiring all citizens to serve in the IDF or civilian service. Lapid also supported and continues to support a two-state solution that would involve Israel annexing major settlement blocks while evacuating those that are smaller and more distant from the Green Line. His political career has been tempestuous. Lapid's first term in the Knesset was marked by constant fighting with the Haredi parties over IDF service, matters of religion and state, welfare reform and more. Haredi rabbis, politicians and media railed against him with biblical and liturgical terminology calling him Amalek and wishing to remove a malicious government from this land. That government was short-lived and Netanyahu fired Lapid a year and a half later. He will be keen to establish a personal triumph by November. 
Well, I think he's in this job for about four months till the next election and the temporary Prime Minister and it sounds like a very multi-talented individual. Hey, let's move on some other headlines, Ron. Ukraine's Volodymyr Zelensky hails Israel's top court for allowing visa exemptions for Ukrainians fleeing the war. What's this one about? I recommend a decision of the Supreme Court of the State of Israel which obliges the government of Israel to abolish any additional restrictions on the entry of citizens of Ukraine, Zelensky tweeted. The unanimous court ruling revoked Interior Minister Ayelet Chaked's order restricting entry to Ukrainians fleeing the war with Russia to just 5,000. More than 1.5 million of Israel's 9.3 million citizens are from Russia and the Ukraine. Some 200,000 Ukrainians are eligible to immigrate to Israel. According to Israel's law of return, any individual with at least one Jewish grandparent is eligible for Israel's citizenship. Thousands of Ukrainians sought refuge in Israel after, the Russia, uh, after Russia invaded Ukraine in February. Ukrainian citizens can now enter as they had prior to the war without a visa. Not counting the refugees, there are some 25,000 Ukrainians already in Israel illegally. Well, an espionage controversy that's bubbling along in the Middle East, Ron, where a top Iranian general has been secretly arrested as an Israeli spy. What is the latest on this? This is really 007 stuff. Brigadier General Al-Naziri who is reportedly a senior commander in the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Protection of Information Unit, think about that, was detained last month, according to officials in Tehran, who requested anonymity because they weren't authorised to speak on the record. The New York Times tied his arrest to the detainment some two months ago of what it said were dozens of members of Tehran's missile development program on charges of leaking classified information to Israel, including design blueprints. Iran state news news agency Erna reported that three people were arrested last April for allegedly disseminating classified intelligence and documents, and they were going to be charged with planning the assassination of Iranian nuclear scientists on behalf of Israeli intelligence. The final straw for the Mullahs, an unnamed Israeli official told the American newspaper, was the success Jerusalem and Ankara had in foiling a serious Iranian attempt to kidnap or kill Israeli tourists in Turkey in recent weeks. Well, the Israelis certainly have to keep on top of intelligence. Another story being reported in the headlines this week. The Israeli Defense Force stopped an Iranian attempt to poison Israel's water supply. How does this one look? Yeah, imagine the catastrophe. An Israeli security official publicly confirmed for the first time that Israel successfully thwarted an Iranian cyber attack on its water supply though hackers from the Islamic Republic nearly succeeded in sickening hundreds of Israeli citizens last week. The deputy chief of IDF Cyber Unit 8200, identified only as Colonel Yu, said a cybersecurity conference 
that an adversary, Iran, attacked water facilities in Israel. We saw this attack attempting to poison the water in an attempt to claim human life. We mitigated that threat far in advance. Another adversary attacked Israel, and we also found that they were attempting to target U.S. power plants as well. This was the first indication of the attack. It enabled preventing this threat through tight collaboration with our American partners. According to a Financial Times report, the April 2020 attack has served as a major wake-up call for Israel that its civilian infrastructure is not off-limits in the ongoing shadow war between Jerusalem and Tehran. The attack was more sophisticated than Israel initially thought, the official told the Times. It was close to being successful, and it's not fully clear why it didn't succeed. Iranian hackers had attempted to raise the levels of accepted chlorine present in Israel water supplies to a dangerous level. If they'd managed to do it, this could have poisoned or even killed hundreds of Israelis. Well, the threats against Israel are manifold. A reminder, Ron, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which is something that is a biblical mandate for believers. Hey, let's finish up with another headline, a new article declaring the Messianic Church is a sign of the times. What's this one saying? Neil, this is an extract from an excellent article I read published in Word from Jerusalem by the International Christian Embassy of Jerusalem. Listeners can read the whole item by visiting the ICEJ website. It's by Dr. Jurgen Buller, ICEJ president. He begins, You Christians were Zionists before we Jews were. It's important to recognize that. These were the words of former Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu when he addressed the delegates of the Jerusalem prayer breakfast in Knesset last June. Indeed, it was mainly Protestant and evangelical theologians and ministers who arose from the Reformation, who first publicly advocated for a national restoration for Israel, whether the Puritans, Moravians, Methodists, Pietists, or the emerging Pentecostal and Renewalist movements, they all believed in a future destiny of the Jewish people back in their ancient homeland. For the first time in centuries, the Reformation gave even ordinary Christians access to the scriptures in their common languages. And thus foundational biblical truths were rediscovered, including the promised Jewish ingathering to their ancestral land. The advent of Hebraic Roots Movement, with the increased availability of the Word of God and awareness grew, especially in Europe and North America, of Israel's central and enduring role in redemptive history. In parallel, there was a greater awakening to the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. Talmudic and Old Testament research started to flourish in many theological institutes in Europe. In the United Kingdom, the works of John Gill and Bishop J.B. Lightfoot had a great impact, as their commentaries included many rabbinic insights and were widely read by Christians. In the 18th and 19th centuries, there were writers such as Franz de Litsch, whose Old Testament com commentary is widely read even today, and uh, his also was known for the very first translation of the New Testament into Hebrew, 
notably decades before the revival of the Hebrew language by Eliezer ben Yehuda. The Oxford lecturer Alfred Edersheim also greatly contributed to the growing understanding in that time of the Hebraic roots of Christianity. It was this newfound understanding of the Jewishness of Jesus and the early church that led to the rise of another phenomenon in Christian circles. Many Jews began believing that Yeshua, Jesus, was their awaited Messiah. For years, Christianity has debated the role of modern-day Israel in its theology. This is an excellent informative study. Visit the ICEJ website for the complete article. And, of course, we like to give some time to that whenever we get the opportunity to because, Ron, a whole unseen dimension of prophetic fulfillment and uh, lots of Christians are very, very excited and interested in getting into that realm and recognising what's going on around the world. Ron, as always, thanks so much for taking that wonderful time to scour the headlines for us. Uh, Amazing insights today on your update. Thanks for being with us on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.